today's special episode of Socially Democratic is presented to you by Dunn Street. Dunn Street partners with businesses, organisations, unions and social democratic parties uh, across Australia and the globe to train leaders, develop engagement strategies and empower people to organise for change. And in 2020, Dunn Street will continue to work with folks that want to make a difference, inspire, give hope and enable leadership to achieve their shared purpose. To find out how you can partner with Dunn Street in one of your campaigns, hit us up at dunnstreet.com.au. Hello and welcome to another episode of Socially Democratic, but not just another episode, a special episode. Um, the local government elections in Victoria are heating up, ballots have been sent, people are starting to vote. Um, and we thought that we would do a special campaign edition and highlight some of the candidates, some of the social democratic candidates that are running uh, across the state. Um, and we wanted to focus it on uh, women candidates who are running in local government for the very first time, putting their hand up in local government for the very first time. And I was reminded by a badge that was given to me by my former uh, field director, Claire keyes Lyley, which was a women's organising network badge that says, men of quality support women of equality. So I thought I would live by the values that are on that badge and hand the microphone over to the three guests that we're going to have today. And um, they can talk about their experiences in running for public office for the first time. Some of the barriers that exist um, in wanting to put your hand up and how they've overcome those barriers and the challenges of actually just running a campaign and raising mon- raising funds and trying to get out there and communicate with the electorate in, during COVID. Um, not an easy thing to do. So our three inspiring women that will be on today's show is Amy Muratore, who is running um, in the Yarra Rangers Council, which is, for those of you outside of Victoria, is sort of the Dandenongs, sort of peri-urban part lovely part of the, the country actually uh Wester chow who's put a hand up and she is on the labor ticket for the city of melbourne the first time that the labor party has an endorsed ticket running in the city of melbourne elections and um Wester is running in the position of deputy lord mayor and uh is Minnie thivios who is running in the moorland or the people's republic of moorland as we used to call it um running in um one of the wards uh there so we're going to be hearing from those three women and they're going to have a conversation about what it's like to run in local government. So I'm looking forward to hearing that. Uh, and also we're going to put in the, um, the notes for today's podcast links to their campaigns. So if you want to donate to any of their campaigns or all of their campaigns, or if you want to volunteer, they've got phone banks running all the way up until, uh, uh, until when polls close, um, hit those links and give your support to these inspiring women, these social democrats that are running um, in these important elections. And it's great to see a lot of women putting their hand up. And here's three that I'm highlighting that I want you to support their candidacy. If you can't physically do that, then give us give them uh, some money so they can actually run a campaign and make sure that they are successful on election day. And also don't forget to subscribe to Socially Democratic via all of your favourite podcast apps and also to follow us on our socials, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, and uh, what's the other one? Twitter. How can I forget Twitter? All right, let's hand it over to the team and here's today's episode. Hello and welcome to this special episode of Socially Democratic. On today's episode, your regular weekly host, Stephen Donnelly, has handed over the microphones to three women who are running in the Victorian local government elections. 
currently held across the state. My name is Wesa Chow and on today's podcast I'm joined by Amy Asbini and I'll ask them to introduce themselves to kick things off. Thanks Wesa. I'm Asbini Thibios. I work as a public health researcher and I'm passionate about protecting our community services. I'm running in Moreland and actually all three generations of my family live in Moreland. So it's been really interesting throughout the campaign to get an intergenerational perspective on how they think I'm going. Um, We are a Metro Council, however, it is so vastly diverse in demographics. We have the high profile suburb of Brunswick, but then also while less known suburbs, but just as thriving such as Faulkner and Oak Park. Thanks, Wessa. Um, my name's Amy and I'm a government school teacher who is a mum to a very active toddler, uh, a wife to Jono and a passionate local to Upway. I'm running in the street ward in the Yarra Ranges. Now, the Yarra Ranges is about 34 k's out of uh, Melbourne. Uh, some of you might know it for the beautiful lush green forests, our lyrebirds, our echidnas, the thousand steps, puffing billy, a very unpopular McDonald's. It is a place that people love to come and visit. It's a place I think that all Victorians have a soft spot for, but it's the place I was born and raised. And I'm really passionate um, about hopefully bringing a really unique perspective to council as a primary caregiver um, and a local teacher who's really ingrained in our community. It's a really exciting ride. Thank you. So, and I'm Wessa Chow. I'm running in the City of Melbourne election as Deputy Lord Mayor candidate. And I'm an entrepreneur and a social innovator. Melbourne is very, very diverse. And we have a very different voting systems than any other councils as well. So we have the leadership team as well as the councillor team. And the interesting thing about Melbourne is businesses have two votes. Residents and landlords only have one and non-citizens such as international students, as long as they rent a property or if they own a property, they can also vote. Great. So I thought maybe to kick us off, we'll start talking about what inspired each of us to run for public office. I might ask you, Amy, first. Okay. Um, Well... Just to give you a snapshot of the Yarra Ranges, this is a community that is a lot of people who grew up here um, move away, um, they go and do their city thing or they, like me, I lived a year abroad and, and you come back and you come back to raise your family because the community out here is super connected um, as well as the idyllic lifestyle. We've got all the groovy things that you have in uh, Moreland. There is many, but we've also got beautiful forests um, and, you know, you're connected to nature, large blocks, all the things that, you know, you dream of when you're thinking about, you know, owning a home. So it's it's a lovely place to live. But when I looked at the makeup of Yarra Rangers Council, I was horrified. Nine councillors, one being female and no one under 50. I welcomed my daughter two years ago and I started to rely heavily on council services, maternal child health, toy libraries, uh, swimming pools, uh, walking tracks, footpaths, uh, all the things that when you walk out your door, council's support and fund uh, became a really big part of my world. And I um, was horrified to see that my voice and my demographic, and I would argue that the changing demographic of the Dandenong Rangers, which is young families, was not represented on our council. Um, And I wanted to change that. I wanted to make sure that I was not just sitting back and complaining and I was the change that I wanted to see. Also being a teacher, I think I have skills 
that will be welcome on council. Uh, you know, teachers are um, strategic um, and active communicators. We set a lot of strategic direction and we are at the core of community. Um, I think that's a really um, unique perspective to bring um, at a local government level. Um, and yeah, here I am just sort of giving it a go. It's interesting for me because I, although I am a uh, proud member of the Australian Labor Party, uh, we don't endorse candidates in the R ranges. So I am actually running as a self-funded independent, which is a, uh, yeah, it's a very interesting experience and we can definitely talk more about the pros and cons of that later. Yeah. Thanks, Ames. Where's some? Yeah, so I'm running because I wanted to ensure voices of our diverse and often unrepresented communities are fairly represented at the centre of policy decision making. So I'm very passionate about cultural diversity, um, multiculturalism, gender, you know, a whole range of diversities and intersectionalities. And I've often seen culturally diverse communities have often been forgotten uh, when decisions are made because they're not on council, they're not in state parliaments or, you know, federal parliaments. It's like trying to get men to make inclusive policies for women. Um, it just doesn't happen, right? And we, we just have to look at the federal budget that came out this week to know that if you've got all men trying to make decisions for so-called everybody, women will just miss out. Um, and it's the same for culturally diverse communities as well. If you're not at the decision-making table, they're often forgotten. So true. I think, you know, similar sentiment here. I love my community. I love talking to people. And I think that's, you know, been a really big reason of why I put my hand up. But I also have this background in public health and family violence prevention. And that's what I'm really passionate about. And I think I've, you know, sat in enough meetings and studies to realise that sometimes you've got to put your hand up and kind of just be the change that maybe you think, you know, that you want to see. So, um, yeah, I think it's just my strong sense of social justice and my passion for seeing, you know, a different way that we can do things for people that really inspired me. And of course, it's so hard. Like, I think one thing that I've struggled with is that once you make that decision, it might be really hard to actually put your hand up. So now I also want to talk about, you know, it's really exciting when you are in, when you make the decision, but it's also really hard to get to the process of making the decision to run. I kind of, I do want to talk about my experience, but I also want to hear maybe from Wessa um, first about what were the challenges and barriers or just the mental conversation that you were having in your head about, you know, wanting to run and whether you should run. I think one of the things that uh, was really hard was um, thinking about, because Melbourne City Council is quite a high profile city council and because you don't always win in elections and the the conversation is well if i don't if i don't win will i get another chance um and whether because also with me we we're a endorsed team a labor endorsed team and so we went through the pre-selection process um so the question have have been well if i run this time if i don't actually get in will i actually get pre-selected again in the future so it's things like this that 
prevents yeah. me from making that decision. Um, and so, yes, it is a, a, a difficult decision to make often for women. I know that's such a good point because a lot of people, um, when I talk to my friends, there's an idea that it's mostly the personal cost. And there is that, you know, it's the personal pride and just this is something you've wanted to achieve. But in a bigger sense, it's the professional cost too for women. Um, and that's a, and I think you've really hit the nail on the head about that. What does that mean for a future run? Um, and what does that mean, you know, how my peers or my political peers might see me in the future? So, yeah. Amy? I, I completely uh, echo that experience. For me, I, I'm a young mum. Um, so it had to be a family decision. This is something, like you said, when you talk about the personal cost, I had to, I ha, I've been playing this delicate game from day dot, which is I'm trying to prove to the community that I am able to handle and prioritise and be really, really good um, at doing all the things that mums do every day, which is spinning, you know, heaps of plates. Um, but... I've had to also play that game that I, I can do this and I can give this the attention that it deserves. Um, so it had to be a family decision. That's the, the, the first thing for me. But it also had to be when you talk about professional standing in the community. I'm a local primary school teacher. So putting your hand up for public office reflects on your old school community. And I had to have a conversation with my principal. I had to make sure that parents were okay with me um, putting myself out that in, in that way in the community. I teach in the school, in the ward that I'm seeking to represent. My face is everywhere. Kids are asking questions. So it, it was delicate because I'm like, if I do this and I make one mistake and there's some kind of scandal or, you know, or whatever attached to it, it affects not just my opportunities within running for, you know, public office in the future, it, it reflects on my professional uh, career and my standing in my community, which I love, um, which scares the absolute bejesus out of me. And I, I often wonder, do men have this kind of same uh, emotional turmoil inside their heads or do they just go for it? Um, and I, I, I think... You know, I, I can't answer that question, but I do think it's a little less emotionally taxing for men who decide to run. No, for sure, because I think there has been this idea that leadership roles are obviously going to fall to the hands of men, right? So if they want to take on this extra responsibility for the community, they're quite applauded. Where um, if women take on that extra opportunity to have a leadership skill, it's like, well, can you manage this on top of being a caregiver, a teacher. Oh, the amount of times I've had in, you know, I take a Zoom, I take two Zoom, Zoom meetings a night, um, put my daughter to bed, I'm on the phone till 9.30 at night. And the amount of times that people ask me, well, you're a teacher, how are you going to fit this in around being a teacher? Well, actually, I teach part-time and I can do it. No one's asking the, um, the guy that's a lawyer that works full-time if he's going to be able to fit it in around his full-time job. Um, and, yeah. you know, what, what are you going to do with your daughter? Well, Frankly, that's none of your business what I'm going to do with my daughter. Um, she'll go into care and she'll be cared for by professionals and she has a dad and we have a supportive family and friends network and she will miss out on nothing. Um, yeah. But you have to play the game because if you do answer the way that you want to answer, you're too aggressive. You know, you can't. sometimes you just can't win. And yeah. also people see, uh, will we'll criticise women more harshly as well. So if you make one mistake as a woman, it's it's... A reflection on all women and but for men it's like oh it's just that one man that is really bad or you know whatever it is um, 
and and they get judged less harshly Mm. yeah and I think you know this thought process so for me when I first decided I wanted to run or was getting the idea because a Labour Party in my area too was endorsing candidates and we're going through a process and I kind of had to make a decision about do I want to go for pre-selection and all those conversations and I talked to so many people in my life I talked to my you know my partner my dad my mom and I just really thought you know how is this going to affect me also I'm 27 years old so I was also having thoughts in my head these are quite formative years in my adult life still just still coming into my own do I really want to put my hand up for public office and I love I have this very good friend love him but one day I was talking to him about, you know, I think I'm going to put my hand up to run. What do you think? These are all my considerations. This is why it's going to be good for me. These could be the um, the negatives to why, you know, I should run. And anyway, we had a great conversation, walk away. Two days later, I talked to him. And he's like, you know what? I've decided I'm going to run in my council. And I was, I think that was a good point in my life about just, the different thought process maybe but also the confidence and the backing and I know it's not that simple because what you've said Amy is so true and and Wessa about you you just need to make these considerations like we don't live in this you know either universe where you can just say I'm going to do this you've got to consider family consider what like you know if this is the best for your career path but um I think you know we're all learning to back ourselves in more and more this campaign has taught me you know to really have the confidence but I think in that moment I was my jaw just dropped because if he had known (laughs) the mental gymnastics I had done (laughs) to get to a point where I was finally ready to go through a pre-selection process um and then he had just kind of gone yeah you know what I think would be a cool experience I'm gonna do it (laughs) Also, the continue mental gymnastics that you go through from where to go. I still, every week, I think, what am I doing? Am I doing the right thing? What have I signed up for? I know deep down it is the right thing and I'm I'm passionate and I want to set an example, especially for my daughter. But it is, it's exhausting what you go through in your own head because of the external pressures and expectations that are put on women. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think a lot of people actually consider that. I think this, you know, what... When you look at the um, considerations of what we've all been through with crafting our own campaigns, I go to the fact that I am a, I'm not endorsed, so I'm not supported by a, a party. I don't have any infrastructure behind me, 100% a self-funded independent. So I had to launch this campaign in April when people were not thinking about government elections at all, but I had to play the long game and get myself out into the community to basically go for a six month job interview to prove that I was qualified for the job. I note that the male uh, people in the race uh, have all nominated the week of and are running short, sharp campaigns that they can just throw money at. Um, But they also have the privilege to be able to do that. Men don't have to spend as long Uh, convincing people that they have skills, that they are qualified, because generally the leadership skills that men have are widely thought of in the community and widely regarded. Oh, he's worked in business. Oh, he's on the board of a footy club. Oh, 
But for me, my skills, which I argue are just as valuable in, in the community role, being a negotiator as, a, as someone who has to negotiate a toddler to put her seatbelt back on while you're driving up Mountain Highway, you know, a negotiator with schools, parents and school communities, someone who works at, in the, is a frontline worker, I argue that I have skills that are just as valid, but I have to spend a long time building that narrative. And that has been incredibly uh, frustrating to me at times. Because again, it can go either way. It's like, well, why are you going so early? Why are you, you know, you're, you're a political animal. You know, it, you can't be in the middle. You're either too pushy because you've launched a campaign early or, you know, you have to work really hard. It's just, it's it's a wild ride. And I, I, I guess I'm interested maybe with you, Wessa, especially because you're running in an area where, like you said, the stakes are high and there's a lot of branding and association that goes with the, the city of Melbourne. What's your process been like and how have you managed those expectations uh, for yourself and I guess uh, the optics of your campaign? Uh, how's that worked for you? Yeah, uh, very similar to you, Amy, um, that I feel like I have to justify my experience and also partly because I look younger than my age as well. So running as Deputy Lord Mayor, People assume, well, you know, you must have had experience, um, a lot of experience before you, you'd be running in that role. And so uh, I, I actually spent a lot of time and effort thinking about the photo. Um, so when I was doing my campaign photo, I made sure that I, I did the whole thing, um, you know, the full makeup because because of the fact that I, I, I look younger. So I actually had two sets of photos done. The first set, I was, I was looking at myself thinking, nah, that's that's just not going to cut it because um, I, I look like I was in my 20s. Um, and yeah, so I thought, no, nah, I, I really need to get another set of photo done. And so, and, and I do wonder whether or not other people would, especially men, whether or not they actually need to think about these things. Or it's just because, you know, any photos would, would work for them. Most of them don't really have to think about the makeup. Uh, but, you know, as, as a woman, this is something that you have to consider. And being an Asian woman that look young, <laughs> um, it, it might be good in cer certain circumstances, but definitely not when you're running for a leadership role. Yeah, really good points there. And I think also um, you raise a good point about um, we've spoken a lot about gender. Obviously, it's something that we share. But I think age is something that also, you know, I got told early on, don't run hard on the fact that there's no councillors under 50 um, because it will, you know, uh, disenfranchise a certain section of the community. And then as I actually got along and actually started talking to the community, I realised there was a hunger to have young, energetic people in our council. Um, but it's a balance for me, right? I'm a young mum. I don't want to be too young. I don't want to be too old and crusty like, you know, the, the people, you know, that are running, I'm running against, you know, I want to look different. But I, I'm really particularly interested, Ismene, with you. you you're, you're under 30. And often uh, it's dangerous to be a woman in under 30 because you are classified as a girl. Um, you're classified as inexperienced, you're classified as immature. Um, and I just want to know how have you managed that, that kind of, uh, I guess, uh, label that's been put on you? Um, if you have chosen to acknowledge it or you're just pushing on regardless, how has it been for you? Yeah, 
great point. And in Moreland, especially my ward, we're running a labour ticket, three women under 30. And it's just, you know, that wasn't exactly planned, but it kind of did fall like that. Um, but in saying that, we have a wealth of experience within that. We have a sitting councillor. And Olivia is a sitting councillor. She's already been on council for four years. And a superstar um, too. Like, she's and amazing. A superstar, uh, yeah, a mum, a social worker. So, um, you know, I've worked in government for a long time. And then we do have Rebecca who, you know, has been president of the Oxygen Youth Committee in Moreland and done a range of other community work. So... But great question, how do you combat that? We don't talk about being three young women um, and Olivia, you know, really presents herself a lot older, um, really more experienced. She can go on that incumbency, talk about what she's done on cancel. I'm kind of a bit in the middle. Again, I didn't want my photos to look too young because I'm just two young women. So I was trying to, you know, and, and I, even though I had just studied, I had just finished my master's recently, but I don't really talk about that because that makes you look like you've just come out of uni, even though I had worked for a number of years, gone back to do my master's and then gone back into the workforce. <laughs> so um, just about the language that you use. Also trying to like really differentiate yourself. So, you know, what, this is one person's interest, this is another person's interests, And then Rebecca, who is the youngest, she is kind of like our young woman running, which is funny because we're all under 30, but we can't all you know, have the same narrative that we're all young women running. And I think, you know, we we are excited by that ticket. I think Moreland is a great place to have three young women running. I think they're really receptive to that. But I think there's a lot of people who aren't receptive to that. Um, and we, I, I do a lot of phone banking and I talk to people on the phones. And women are so much more receptive to me, like, really take me seriously men that I talk to on the phone don't really take me seriously until I tell them that I've worked here for a number of years and I've worked there I think I also sound a little bit young over the phone so it's just kind of balancing you know not trying to be up yourself and say look at all my resume and but also try and put yourself out there and say look I do have the experience to make some decisions for our community yeah I think it's a balance as well you want to prove to the community that you're experienced and you'll bring uh, some things to council that possibly uh, will be beneficial for the wider community, but you also don't want to sound like a bragging know-all. And I, like I, I think we go back to the fact that I don't think a lot of men uh, care or have to worry about it as much as women. Um, it's certainly interesting how we all have to manage the optics of our campaign based on our gender, our age, our ethnicity. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one of these things that I think I hope it gets better but it's certainly something that I think a lot of women battle when they choose to stand for public office. Yeah, I, I would I would echo that as well because even for me, um, having done many university courses and currently doing a PhD and won a number of awards as well, I have to really think twice about putting it down, especially putting everything down because you don't want to brag about your achievements. But then at the same time, you don't want to undersell yourself because people want to see, you know, you can you can actually um, have the experience and the and the um, and the understanding to actually get into council. So it's a really fine balance. And I do wonder whether or not men actually have to think about these things or they just run um, and not really necessarily have to think about these things. And I, I do think that women um, sometimes have to be more 
competent in order to be accepted by the community to be in a senior role. So it's um, it's it's always a, a, a balancing act. So I, I do wonder then, um, how did you guys fundraise? Because obviously fundraising during this time is very, it's, it's difficult. Uh, fundraising is difficult for everybody, but particularly during this time under COVID. So how has your fundraising experience be? Maybe we'll start with you, um, Esmini. Yeah, so also just to follow what Amy said earlier with my social media, it was I was about to launch my social media right in the middle of when, you know, the first, you know, we're having our first pandemic, wave of pandemic cases. And I didn't want to be insensitive. So that was, I was, you know, I'm like, do I launch a social media campaign? Um, And, you know, kind of get that feedback that maybe this wasn't the best time. Do I leave it for later? But then I've kind of missed my opportunity to really, you know, put myself out there in the community and get some name recognition. And with that, a lot of what I was thinking was the longer I leave it is the longer that I can let people know that I'm running and can you please donate to my campaign? So though I'm a Labor-endorsed candidate and that comes with a lot of benefits such as the branding, um, having a community of Labor members around you and, you know, people know where you align, um, you know, all my fundraising has come from friends and family. So, you know, to ask for money in a time where, you know, you've seen people close to you, have their hours reduced, have had, you know, you know, obviously some people have had their work cut from them. It's quite, it is, it's quite challenging. So I did do a couple posts, but no way I, you know, really went ahead fundraising the way I would have if it was not COVID times. I personally didn't think it was appropriate. And I also, you know, was again thinking about the ramifications that if I, you know, was putting myself out there saying, hey, you know, if you guys can give to my campaign, what people would think of me. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, that that was exactly the same experience for me as well. Um, And especially Melbourne City Council, there's so many businesses that had to close their doors. So you wouldn't be going there and ask, well, I I didn't think it was appropriate to, you know, knock on their door and say, hey, you just lost all your business, but can you give me some money to run my campaign? So it's, it's been really hard. How about you, Amy? Well, I I think I offer a really interesting perspective here. So I think I mentioned I'm a self-funded independent, but I'm a member of the Labor Party. Um, So we don't endorse out here. And that was a decision by the local um, FEA. There was a, you know, we had our last state conference and we decided that Labor would be looking to endorse uh, local uh, government candidates. Uh, Our FEA had a robust debate and, and voted against it. So... There are pros and cons to it. For me, I have had a really enjoyable time running and creating a narrative that is just purely about me. Uh, It's about what I am and who I care about, which when it comes down to it, are core Labor values. Um, I've never tried to hide that I'm a member of the Labor Party. I'm often asked um, and I answer. I say, I am running as a self-funded independent. Uh, However, I am a government school teacher and unionist who is a member of the Labor Party. It speaks to who I am as a working class progressive, and I'm proud of that. Um, and I think that it, it, it was something that really um, stressed me out early on. I felt like I was lying to the community 
and I know I wasn't, but it, it, it's the optics of it, you know, some people, and I felt yeah. also some people, and I'm getting it even this week, members, you know, local members of the Liberal Party, for example, who are like trying to trap me and trick me out in, in that I'm lying and I'm deceiving the community and I'm just not. Um, so I've just, I've run, I've run my campaign the way I intend to be as a councillor and that's approachable, open, honest and transparent. Um, so that, that's been an interesting thing to have to manage, but with that comes zero infrastructure. Um, and I have done everything by myself, including, you know, I, I have a wonderful branch out here, but they're not interested. They voted not to be involved in local government elections because they think that party politics should stay out of local government elections, and that's there. So the support at, as far as that kind of infrastructure hasn't been there, and it's literally been me running my campaign when my daughter sleeps and my husband uh, helping with some of my my comms and technology stuff because that's sort of what he does um, for a job. And when it came to fundraising, I'm gonna. Um, so I, I debated whether to share this story, but I think I need to share this story because I want young women who are listening now to take this advice. I thought I have spent so much of my twenties campaigning for Labor men and Labor candidates who uh, get lots of party infrastructure and lots of party support, lots of media attention. And, you know, I argue they make a lot of sacrifices and they work really, really hard. But I've done that work for them, knocked on doors for them, rang people for them. So I got out my phone and I picked up the phone and I rang people and I flat out asked them for money. And I said, this is my first opportunity. You know, I worked on this campaign for you. I would like, I'm asking now, asking you for donations. And it was, it felt uncomfortable. And it felt strange, but I'm like, I watched those men do that when they launched their campaigns. So, and, and I, it was actually met with some really amazing support. Um, I also posted on my own personal Facebook, you know, I'm about to do this and I'm, you know, not supported. And people came out of the woodworks, old bosses, uh, family, friends, people that I just didn't think were interested, gave me large sums of money, uh, which was quite, quite a surprise. And I felt so humbled. Um, and I also have had just people who have basically found, because I have played the long game and I've been working to sort of raise my profile in the community, people who have reached out to me that I don't know, who have donated money to me because they're excited to see a woman under the age of 35 who's a teacher, who seems intelligent, who understands climate change, who wants to make this community better. They want to get me elected and they've donated money to me. Um, so that has been quite uh humbling and 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 quite uh unexpected um and i guess it comes down to if any women who are listening at the moment it is a tricky thing to manage having to ask people to pay money for you to basically i guess uh further your political career um but you lose nothing by asking um and do what a man would do and ask if you believe what you're doing ask people to support you yeah, I'm really curious um, because you, um, Amy, uh, you're running as an independent. So how are you um, organising volunteers and people who are actually helping you with the campaign? Because yeah. you know, to, cover, to cover the whole area requires a lot of yeah. human resources. So- we so if you to get a snapshot of the street and ward, we are basically, uh, I would say, majority of it is Mount Dandenong, so up, down, hills, and stuff. 
I'm really lucky being a school teacher. I have an amazing school community behind me of parents who are really excited and they're homeschooling at the moment and they wanted to letterbox for me. So that, that's been really exciting. Um, but I have about 10 volunteers who've done letterboxing for me who literally contacted me on social media and said, wow, what a change this will be on your own. How can we help? And they've let a box for me. I've had I've got a retired couple who live in Montrose who basically did the, a third of the suburb for me. They're in their 70s. They love to walk and they wanted to see a teacher on council. Um, I've got lots of local mums helping me because they feel really strongly about the fact that they're not reflected on council and they've wanted to, to let a box for me or, or host a sign. People that aren't political at all have been messaging me this week to say, I voted for you not interested in politics, but I really like you and I want to see you on council. So I think being my authentic self um, and having the freedom to not be attached to the Labor brand, not that I'm not proud of it, but having the freedom to really um, own what makes me me and not have to, uh, you know, have my comms approved by someone at head office or have my messaging approved uh, by someone who's probably more talented than me to do the messaging has kind of resulted in a really authentic and almost daggy campaign. Uh, and I think it's played well in the community. Mm. How about you, Asmini? Because you've got the infrastructure support from head office. How has that experience been? Um, did it take you know, a lot of time for um, head office to approve messaging um, and, and getting I mean, these graphics yeah, out. So uh, head office provides us with, you know, some um, design, some graphics, but really, um, you know, it, it's the team, it's the local team. I mean, we're running on local issues. We're having, you know, conversations here in Moreland. So, a lot of like all our material really is designed by you know the uh, us the candidates and what we want to put out there um but I, I think you know it has been great to have um we're a multi-member wars so we've got four candidates that get elected it's a really big area in moreland so i mean yes it's been fantastic to be able to say hey i'm a labor candidate you're a labor member can you please help me with some letterboxing um I think we have a lot of independents that run here and, you know, I've talked to them and, I mean, if you can get a lot of support, I mean, people have managed it by friends and family doing it, but I think, you know, just, yes, it has been helpful to have just that, tradition, that traditional infrastructure that you can just, you know, go and call out to um, rather than starting that from scratch but so much of the letterboxing has been you know my family and my friends who live around the corner from me and you know another thing the pandemic is that it's really hard to get people from outside you know your ward to come help you so you're really limited you know I've done more walking I, I should have known I was going to do a lot of walking and I didn't know that but I've done a lot more walking than I thought I would because you know you're really limited to how many people can um, come and help you. Mm. Yeah, for me, it's a little bit different because we run as a whole team. Um, and so for me, our materials needed to go through both team and also head office. Um, and But we spent a lot of time actually uh, looking at all the policies that the whole team are comfortable with. Uh, so we actually went out to the whole, uh, all the branches within the area to ask for feedback 
ideas, anything that they want. So we actually did a lot of um, engagement within the branches. Um, and that's been really good because we, we get some um, interesting insights into what some of the uh, branches are thinking and also what some of the, um, the local people are thinking as well um, and all the things that they find not working for them um, because Labor has not endorsed a ticket for I think about 30 years in City of Melbourne now. So it's, it's, it's a big thing. For, for the whole party. And I think the local branches are actually quite excited that we're actually endorsing a ticket. So it's a, it's a different experience, I guess, in, in, in the city of Melbourne. But even, you know, I, I, I live in the Dandenong Ranges, but I identify as Melbourneian and I'm really proud to watch what's happening with that, that organised ticket. And even my husband, who's a Labor member, but I would argue, you know, is, is less engaged than, than me, he's really proud that he can actually point to a ticket and he's one of those people that gets to vote as a business that operates in the city. And he's really proud that there's a ticket that actually stands for something. Um, and I think the optics of it looks really smick and you guys are doing a, a marvellous job in a time where we're really con constricted to how we can campaign. And I think you guys are doing, you're nailing it really. Thank you. And one of the things that we do wanted to really push is that we want to lead the sector um, and to show people how we can have a progressive government in the capital city. Um, and that, that is one of the narrative that we've been um, pushing as well, because it's not just a Labor ticket running in another council. It's, it's because we really wanted to lead this sector um, and to, to get people to really think about, well, what, what, does, what can Labor offer uh, in, in local council? Um, how can we drive our progressive agenda within the council? And one of the things that we've been, uh, we, we will be uh, pushing for is having free childcare. We are not afraid to have big councils. We are not afraid to have to, to employ more people in our council, especially during this time. We, we, we see a lot of women losing their jobs. We need to find ways to start employing them as well. Absolutely. Um, how have you been going, Wessa, with like community con con um, conversations and, you know, I, I'm just talking about my experience with like phone banking, like the misinformation out there with, you know, we are in a pandemic, there has been a lot of, you know, debate in our community, whether people agree or disagree with the direction of, you know, how Dan and the team have kind of um, dealt with this pandemic. I just, I find this such an interesting conversation when I talk to different candidates about their responses, especially if you're Labor endorsed, it might be a bit different. If you're Labor endorsed, people, you know, tend to, of course, associate you a bit more closely with the state government. And um, if you're an independent, it might be a bit different. I mean, it depends on who who I call really. Um, so depending on, you know, the the phone list that I get on, on that particular day. But what I've noticed is if I talk to people of Chinese backgrounds, they tend to be okay with the restrictions. And some of them even said to me, it's not strict enough. Uh, they would rather go hard and um, and stop people from going outside for like two weeks and then try and reduce the numbers dramatically and then open up. Uh, whereas there are other people who, who are really upset with the 
with the um, with the lockdown. So it it really depends on the different groups of people that I talk to. Um, and yeah, I, I'm curious to see what others' experiences are. I mean, I don't get. Uh, I, I'm not phone banking because I, I haven't. I don't have the infrastructure as someone who's not endorsed. So I had to really go back to uh, community and, and grassroots stuff. So the day, the very day that we could, I spent the weekend leading up to, we had that Monday where we were allowed to start actively campaigning within the safe campaigning guidelines. So I spent the weekend uh, packing packages for businesses that are open because a lot of, I would, I would say, maybe like a quarter, we've probably got one quarter of businesses operating at the moment. And it was a letter from me, a postcard, which was going into like basically what was going into my mailboxes and a poster. And it was a letter just saying, hi, my name's Amy. I'm a local teacher. I'm a local mum. These are, you know, I'm running for council and I want to talk to you. I just thought I'd formally introduce myself and here's a poster if you want to put it up. Really passive, aggressive, but I would go in, buy a coffee. Hello, my name's Amy. And I've got a box of them in my car. So if I go to a new business, even now, I'll give them. And it's just a little introductory pack to who I am. So it's that community kind of putting yourself out there to introduce yourself in a really non-aggressive way. And to my surprise, I, I reckon maybe I would say three quarters of the businesses I gave my post to do put it up because I took the effort and, and energy to go and do that and actually give them something that was just for them as a business owner. Um, but then also I've been, like Zoom has been the, the thing. I've basically said to everyone in the sporting clubs, uh, concerned locals, uh, uh, you know, community groups, toy libraries, uh, all, all those things that make, you know, council tick. I've put myself out there because I want to be a really accessible council. A lot of, we've had the same councillors for a really long time in the hour ranges. They've done a fine job, but this year they got onto Zoom because they had to. Uh, you know, they started recording uh, council uh, meetings because they had to. Um, and they've not been super accessible. So that's sort of my thing that I'm bringing to the to the role. Mm -hmm. um, so I've made sure that I've been having conversations and having it, you know, I would, in a normal situation, I'd, I'd say, hey, let's meet for a coffee. Let's go for a walk. Let's take our kids to the park and have a play and have a chat. Can't do that. So Zoom's been the next best thing. So I've had to really sort of strip back. Can't, can't make phone calls. All I can do is put my face out there, uh, letterbox, and reach out to people who want to talk to me. And it's actually made me rely on the traditional things that we know work as grassroots organisers. Yeah. The storytelling and authentic authentic connection, isn't it? I know. I think you're running a great campaign, Amy. I cannot wait to see the results of your hard work, honestly. Oh, thank you. Um, so I think what I would love to hear is what are your reflections or an experience that you want to share with the audience? Um, it could be a moment you've had on the campaign or just a takeaway, you know, something you've learned about yourself during this time. Lisa, I'll start with you. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think for me is every time I run, it's it's because um, previously I ran um, in in a federal seat in in the seat of Higgins a couple of years back, 
Um, and one of the things that I've noticed during that time was that uh, because before that I was an advocate, I was you know doing a lot of work fighting for the rights of international students and uh, culturally diverse people from culturally diverse backgrounds. But then as soon as you put yourself out there as a politician as opposed to an advocate, some, somehow the media see you as... Um, you're you're a bad person because now you've become a politician. So every time I run now, it's actually quite interesting where um, there's this this shift. It's, it's the media perception. It's not so much the people who support you. All the supporters are great. Um, so if you put, you know, tell people that you're running, um, all the supporters are like, you know, great to see you there, all that type of stuff. But it's the media that somehow paints you as this nasty politician as soon as you put your hand up to run. So it's, it's actually quite an interesting thing because it's, it's almost a journey for me to just be okay with the fact that people are not necessarily going to like me um, because of the fact that I put my hand up to run. So that's an interesting um interesting thing, thing that I've noticed being a candidate and putting yourself out there as a candidate yeah that is such a good point as someone who inherently struggles with people not liking them and is a people pleaser it has been a learning process to know that that's okay you know you're gonna have some people will just inherently not like you some people are very passive some people you know we just have different opinions but um as long as like you know i know why i'm doing this i can live with that um amy i i think yeah i'll, I'll sort of dovetail off that it I, I think what i've learned about myself is that i i can do this that i'm talented that i'm organized and i'm skilled and i have the right to put my hand up for public office um and i say that with confidence today uh, but tomorrow it might be different. I, it's a roller coaster for me. I feel like I sometimes feel a lot of guilt that I'm not giving uh, perhaps my daughter the attention she needs or I am not prioritising uh, my marriage or things like that. It's a small uh, part of, you know, this six-week period is a small chunk in, in my life and I have an amazing partner standing beside me who champions me and is, you know, tells me every day that he's proud and, and a daughter that loves me regardless as long as I put the wiggles on Spotify, um, you know, it's 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 one of these things that I, I guess for me, I was I, I get really scared because I want to finish this campaign, win or lose, and look back and go, didn't make a deal of myself, and I'm proud of what I stood for and what I went out and fought for, and I'm starting to realise now that you know we've put what we've got a week till till it ends, a week two weeks, um, I'm starting to realise that. I will be able to do that and that I have run a really good campaign in spite of having no infrastructure, in spite of uh, managing the care of my daughter and a job as a part-time primary school teacher, in spite of running a household. I can do all these things and I think a lot of women can do all these things. So I've actually, uh, I guess, exceeded my own expectations and moving forward, I've sort of made a promise to myself to um, seek out more opportunities to be a leader in my community because I have a lot of doubts about myself, but I also think I've shown myself that I have a lot to give the community and I shouldn't discount myself just because of the, my internal dialogue. Amy, I totally agree. And what I just wanted to add to that was it's so funny because we were talking about not wanting, you know, that 
that um, professional cost that comes with running multiple campaigns. But I'm also so proud of the campaign I've run. And I've learned so much that in my head, I keep thinking next time I'm going to do this, this and this. You know, if I'm not successful right now, look at what I've learned. Um, I've had so many takeaway experience where I've said, you know, if I do this again, I'm going to handle it this way. I'm going to put this in my material. I'm going to have like, you know, have this as a timeline. So, you know, it, it, it has, it's been quite a life-changing um, opportunity to put yourself out there and really have to advocate for yourself. And as someone who really struggles to back themselves in, it has been such a great learning process. Absolutely. I think we, I think women are often uh, 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 reluctant to celebrate what they're good at, um, and I think we need to make, spend a lot more time uh, reminding the community that we have a lot to give um, and that we're worthy. Absolutely, I think it's um, it's important that we all, you know, give ourselves a pat on the back to say we, we we can do this, and we're good at this. We're doing this as well on top of all the other things that women do. You know, running households, being primary caregivers, um, you know, care, often you know, caring for parents, all those things that we do as women, and we do because you know. I mean, it's been written about men make better politicians because they've got wives at home taking care of stuff. You know, it's it's one of these things that we need to remind ourselves we're doing this as well as all the other stuff. Um, and it makes it we're super women. If we're going to uh, end this conversation, I think we should end it on uh, positives um, and wrap up and perhaps uh, give each other, uh, well, we, you know, the kudos. I, I, I want to just say personally, it's such a, a privilege to be able to do this with you, Ismany, and uh, someone like uh, Wessa, who is a seasoned campaigner and I think will be a huge asset to the City of Melbourne. It's just inspiring watching uh, first of all, your advocacy work and what you've done, but also the fact that we as a Labor Party are putting up, uh, uh, you know, a, a woman uh, of a different minority who is as smart and as, as talented as you. Um, it's it's great and very exciting to watch. Uh, uh, and I guess I would, would, would sort of like to say maybe we should end on uh, plugs or uh, promotions or things. You know, it's not over yet. We're, we're at the pointy end. Ballots have hit. Uh, we, we still need help and we still need to get over the line. So maybe we'll start with you. Wessa, uh, what, what do you want to tell the listeners today about your campaign and, and, and what you're going to achieve in the next uh, two weeks? Yeah, so as Amy mentioned, this is the pointy end, the last two weeks of our campaign. So any support that we can get uh, with donations even, um, so you can donate this via the um, Labor Party website that uh, we, we're happy to provide in the in the show notes um, and, and also volunteers like people who are willing to even if you don't live in the city of Melbourne and want to contribute to the cam campaign uh, we are doing a lot of phone banking so if you can spare um, two hours of your time any days uh, we're, we're really appreciate you know if if uh, people can can uh, help out so uh, let us know we'll have our contact details in our in our um, in our show notes as well just so that you can contact us um, and we'll also include our social media like our stuff share our stuff 
um, and yeah, get as many people as possible to to know about us. And because, um, especially in city of Melbourne as well, because we've got business voters. Um, Sometimes they might not necessarily be living in the city, but then they might actually have a business in the city that we don't know of. So if you know of people who are in that situation, we might have missed, you know, um, sending them stuff. So please share to your networks. Yeah, and my plea is the same. Just if you have any friends or family who live in Moreland, please tell them to vote for me and Olivia and Rebecca. And give my Facebook page as many videos for Moreland alike. Excellent. Well, you've you've all summed it up for me. I, I'm in the same thing. Pointing, you know, my letterboxing's done. I'm about engagement now and, and getting out the vote. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty much uh, hitting the socials really hard. I'm promoting a lot of things. So please follow Amy for Streeton uh, on Facebook. Uh, find me on Instagram. Like, share, comment. Uh, drive up my engagement. I, I want to, you know, prove and and give people the opportunity to see that I'm not someone who goes and deletes comments when I'm questioned. I'm someone who's open and wants to, to talk to the community. And at the moment, social media is our best tool to do that. Um, so please uh, get behind me. Watch. Please also take an interest in the Yarra Rangers. It's going to be an exciting time um, with uh, an opportunity to actually see women elected. Uh, we're one of the Fragile 15. Uh, th- fragile 13, sorry. Uh, so there are 13 councils in Victoria that only have one woman sitting. Uh, Yarra Rangers is one of them. So please watch carefully and get excited because there are going to be some dynamic uh, progressive women at the table uh, in November for sure. I'm very excited to see you all, all of us being elected. And I think if not, I think it, it would be great. Uh, it's just, it's great. I think it's, uh, we'll see a lot more women hopefully putting their hand up. We've mm-hmm. had records amount of women this year uh, uh, decide to nominate in spite of uh, the global pandemic. And I think hopefully this is a wave of women who are gonna gonna take over local governments. Love it. Thanks everyone. <laughs> Thanks Thank a lot. You. Great.